for the past five years is how so many people in our country, when they filled out the, the last U.S. Census, when asked what religious affiliation they were, overwhelmingly, the greatest denomination that is growing is the little bubble that says none. I don't mean N-U-N. I mean people who are identifying to have zero religious affiliation. But then in 2018, the Barna Group did a similar study, and instead of asking people about religious affiliation, they asked people about what they think about Jesus. And what is so blows my mind is that the result was that 93% of the people in this country believe that Jesus Christ was a real person who actually lived. And even more than that, two out of three Americans claim to have made a commitment to Jesus that's still important in their lives today. What they believe about Jesus is that he is warm and fun-loving and brave and practical. This is the deal, y'all. If 200 million Americans believe that Jesus is real, believe that they actually have a relationship with Jesus, why do they not claim to be affiliated with any religion? Well, as it turns out, those two of three Americans, they kind of have an opinion of the, the followers of Jesus. They believe that we are hypocritical, that we are homophobic, that we are judgmental, and that we are out of touch with reality. And this is a difficult truth for me to swallow. It's difficult because outside of these church walls, and maybe even inside of them as well, if I'm to be honest, I know that I can be hypocritical and judgmental. And so in many ways, I feel like I am one of those people that has contributed to the fact that there are some people who don't want to have anything to do with us, but they want to have something to do with our Savior. And so I know that I'm committed for the rest of my entire life to try and to live authentically as a follower of Jesus, but to do so saying that, that I am a sinner saved by grace, not by works. You know, Jesus said that he, he knew that we were going to be a, a church full of sinners. You know, he said it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners. I mean, we're full. We're not robots, right? It's inevitable. We're going to make mistakes. But in, in addition to that, y'all, I truly believe with every fiber of my being that you cannot be a follower of Christ without the community. Even Jesus did not do it alone. And so I, I think that part of our responsibility is we need to change that view for the people around us. Not just so that I feel like I'm, I'm a committed Christian and I've got my people, but so that we can help other people who already believe in Jesus realize the abundant life that exists when you do this together in community. And that said, our community here at Westlake Hills Y'all, we need to be united on who this Jesus is and who it is that we're following. Last week, I made a reference to Will Ferrell in his Oscar-worthy performance in Talladega Nights 
A few days later, one of our church members said she could not get this image out of her head this week. So who is Jesus? I know we all have tons of different images of, um, of who that is. But what we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks is, you know, what does the gospel of Mark say that Jesus is? What is his character? What is his nature? What were his abilities? What did he spend his time doing? What did he talk about? Last week, we focused on a critical component of our theology, of our faith, and that's that God came in the person of Jesus fully divine at all times. Jesus was not God's insurance plan in the year zero. It wasn't God's bright idea. You see, Scripture tells us that in the beginning was God, and Jesus was God and was with God in the beginning. Today, we're going to look at the humanity of Jesus. What does it mean that God came in the flesh? Before we look at a few scriptures, will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, may it only be your words that are spoken. May the Holy Spirit that is within each of us gathered here, may we hear something that gives us life. May we hear something that gives us hope. God, we need some hope today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to read a small passage from the first chapter of Mark and then another passage from the second. First, verse 12, and the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. And then from the second chapter, verse 15, and as Jesus sat at dinner in Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners, they were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees were walking by his little courtyard and they they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the frustrating things uh, we were just talking about in our officer training class with your new, soon-to-be newly elected deacons and elders is how our Christian faith is so full of mystery. As much as we would love to come before scripture, before worship, and before Bible study, and we would love to leave with all the answers. We really have a lot of gray and mystery. And possibly one of the greatest mysteries is, is this very fancy word. So students, this is a great word for you to go back and tell your, your teachers tomorrow, Tuesday. It's, it's hypostatic union. Hypostatic union is the, is the idea that in one being, there can be full divinity and full humanity, hypostatic union. And the big church word that we use to describe this, this human side is incarnation. Now, incarnation comes from the Latin word en carne, 
And it literally means in the flesh. And flesh is super important. I want you to realize it's Jesus had skin. Jesus had skin that could be pierced, that could get a prick. Jesus had toes that could get stubbed. Jesus would have felt pain. And so when he had nails that went through his wrists right here, he felt that pain like you or I would. He would have felt what it was like to get spit on. And and even more than that, Jesus, just everyday stuff, you know, Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. One of my favorite things about Jesus is that he liked to nap. And and I like to nap. And and Jesus actually fell asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. That's how much he, he needed to nap. He got tired. Jesus liked time alone. And Jesus loved to be around people. Jesus uh, liked to have friends, even friends that, that weren't always going to agree with everything he said. Jesus was very much human. So what difference does it make? Why wasn't it just God, the kind of an essence of a human, like a hologram that just kind of went through the world? What difference does it make to me and to you that Jesus was a human? It makes a difference because, see, Jesus actually defines what it is to be human. This is what Karl Barth says, a Dutch reformer. He says, humanity does not figure out what is humanity and then discover Jesus. No, one discovers in Jesus Christ what is really humanity. In other words, if any of you have been looking for the ideal role model, this is what it is. Jesus is the ultimate role model for who it is to be human. In the passage that I first read, the Mark 1, we have Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. Right before he heads into the wilderness, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. And then, and then the scripture tells us this. It says, and the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. Now the original hearers of that They would have thought, oh, there was someone else in our story that did something for 40 days in the wilderness. You see, in the book of Exodus, it tells the story of a man named Moses. And he helped take our nation of Israel out of slavery. And then they didn't head into the promised land right away. They had to go through the wilderness for a period of time. And when they reached a certain mountain called Mount Horeb, we're told that God calls to Moses and says, Come up to me. And so Moses goes up on the top of the mountain where he stays for 40 days. And there is when he receives the the law. And then he comes down. But you see, there's a major difference. They would have noted there's a major difference between Moses going for 40 and then Jesus. If you look back at the scripture in Exodus, it reads like this. Moses went up on the mountain. But our scripture today, Jesus is in a passive role. You see, the scripture reads, the spirit drove Jesus out. Jesus knows what it is like to literally be kicked into difficult situations. To be pushed into situations that one necessarily wouldn't choose. Jesus moves into the wilderness and what we know is that he is absolutely alone. And I mean like truly alone. 
Jesus didn't have virtual followers on Instagram or Facebook friends. He couldn't phone a friend or do a quick text check-in. He is totally alone in the wilderness. And did I mention it was for 40 days? That would be like leaving here and being totally alone until March 1st. Now, I know for the parents in the room, not me, but those parents in the room that maybe are parents of teenagers or or like your spouse recently retired, you kind of like want some of that alone time. But I can guarantee after about seven to ten days, you get pretty lonely. And and did did I tell you that in the other Gospels, we are told that it's not just that he's alone, but that he fasts. He's alone and starving. This was awful, what Jesus did. This wasn't an easy time. 40 days of complete aloneness without food or water. You see, Jesus was every bit as human as you or me. And so those 40 days, they had to be terrible. The Harvard Business Review published the results of their study last year. And I don't know if you've heard, but they have, they have declared that this country is under a loneliness epidemic. Literally. It is an epidemic in this country. The American Journal of Preventative, Preventative Medicine discovered that time spent on social media increases feelings of isolation. So I just want to ask you, just do a quick little mental inventory Compared to two years ago, are you using more or less social media? I wonder if a lot of us have been feeling more alone over the past several years. Why is this important? This is a God who loves humanity so much. God did not just decide to be a human that would always have a full belly. That would be a human that was always surrounded by friends. A human that had home ownership, a prestigious career, or even surround God's self with friends that would always be nice. Our God loves us so much that he freely chose to humble himself and identify with us by allowing himself to be put in the most vulnerable of positions that none of us ever want to be in, totally and completely alone. I want you to know this. The next time that you feel alone and you think, no one knows how I feel. No one could ever feel like this. Know this. You are not alone. You see, because Jesus is our model, we can look at how did he handle being alone. He's out there in the desert for 40 days. The scripture tells us that while he's alone, he was tempted by Satan. One, I hope that this gives you comfort because I want you to know that even Jesus, fully divine, fully human, was tempted by Satan. There's nothing wrong with us if we are tempted. But I want to make sure you know, when Mark wrote this and he uses the word Satan, he in no way was referring to a little man that sits on your shoulder that's got a pitchfork and horns and wears a red cape or a big one with flames coming out of it. That would not have been in the author's mind by any means. What he's talking about in first century, when they used the word Satan, they meant those that are the evil forces that are coming up against. It's it's kind of the not God. So for the Star Wars, it'd be like Star Wars fans, it's like the dark side. Or for those that watch Stranger Things, it's, it's the upside down or 
as, as people that are Georgia Bulldogs fans, it's like the University of Florida. So this is like the dark side, the, the evil forces. The important thing is that we understand, y'all, that Jesus was tempted. And, and the Greek word that's used there for tempt, it's really better translated as test. But what I want you to note is who does the testing? It's not God. In fact, Scripture is very clear that testing and temptation does not come from God. That comes from the evil forces in our world. And yet, although tested and in a very vulnerable position, Jesus doesn't sin. And yet, I'm not sure about you, but the fact that Jesus doesn't sin, it doesn't necessarily give me major confidence. I mean, he's Jesus, right? He's not supposed to sin. And so I, I went searching. I'm like, I just, I gotta, there's got to be more to this passage than, than it's just that, oh, we need to be like Jesus because he didn't sin when he was tempted and, and starving and alone. And I found this professor, Dr. Lewis, um, Caroline Lewis of Luther Seminary, and listened to her insight on this passage. She says, the temptation of Jesus, unapologetically, without any doubt, says this, God is present in it all. We will not have the same temptations as Jesus. We will not. And naming Jesus' temptations as some sort of comfort in our experience of the same implies that we can get through it, whatever it may be. But we're talking about Jesus. She says the point of contact is not necessarily that Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. That's not helpful. I can't be Jesus, no way, no how. But I can look at Jesus's temptation, whatever it is, whatever it turns out to be, and say, God was there. God was there. God is present. In other words, what if we focus less on listing all that tempts us, all that is the negative in our humanity, less on some pep talk that we can deny all those so-called things that seek us to craft our golden calves, less on giving up the so-called temptations of our lives, what if we focused more on denying that which tempts us most, forgetting the presence of God? What if we focused on just that God is with us? So does it matter that Jesus was fully human? Absolutely. This is who Jesus is, and it is one of the great mysteries of our faith. N carne, incarnation, in the flesh. It defines what it looks like to be human. The ultimate role model for the world with this one trait. He always remembered the presence of God. There is this sweet children's book that actually our library owns, but it's checked out by one of you. You can bring it back. It's called If Jesus Walked Beside Me, and it just fits perfectly, I think, with this sermon. If Jesus walked beside me, then I'd feel so brave and strong. I'd sense his peace and comfort and his presence all day long. He'd help me ride my brand new bike, the one that looks so tall. He'd say, now you can do it, friend. Believe you can, he'd call. I'd rocket through my neighborhood and never once fall down. I'd look to Jesus, hold on tight, and zip on through the town. 
I fear that I will swing and miss each time that I'm at bat. If Jesus walked beside me, I'd not be scared of that. But if I couldn't play outside and felt sick with the cold, with Jesus there beside me, then I'd have a hand to hold. He'd say, I want to hear your cares, your problems and concerns. Together, we will make it through life's toughest twists and turns. So if I had to go on stage, I wouldn't stress or freeze. If Jesus walked beside me, I'd feel much more at ease. If I'd sing my little heart out and pronounce each word with care, I'd shout my praise to Jesus because he helped to get me there. Then, if the clouds that frightened me began to rain and storm, I'd cling to Jesus by my side. He'd keep me safe and warm. At night, I'd snuggle into bed beneath the moonlight glow. I'd give a hug to Jesus, and I'd wished he'd never go. He'd hold me tightly in his arms so I'd feel safe and sound. He'd whisper that he loves me and would always stick around. He'd say, I hope you'll take some time to spend with me each day. I will always hear when you call. I'm just a prayer away. Friends, may we remember that Jesus, that God is present with us every step of the way. Will you stand and join me in affirming our faith in Jesus using the brief statement of faith that's printed in your bulletin or up above? Who do we believe in? We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Amen.